Well, hey, what's going on, family of God? Uh, I hope that you are doing well. I'm excited to jump back into Luke. So, we ready? Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, I hope that just looking at the person of Jesus encouraged you last week, and really, I just want to gaze at his beauty that much more today. And so, let's just fix our eyes on Jesus together, amen? Uh, so, grab your Bibles. Let's flip over to Luke chapter 4 is where we are going to be. And as you're turning there, I want to start us off with a little bit of a thought, okay? Uh, do you ever use a word often uh, and it's just regular vocabulary for you. And then for whatever reason, you have to define it. And you're like, uh, uh, uh it's kind of like when, uh, uh, it, it's like, and you just completely miss it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like my kids sometimes will ask me what something means and I respond with the definition, <laughs> right? right? Like they're like, uh, what does patient mean? And I'm like, uh, it's like when you're like patient, like when you do things patiently, right? It's like, all right, go to Harvard, go get a dictionary. <laughs> like, why do you think I'm teaching you how to read too, okay? Uh, there's a word that we use often as Christians, okay, that I want you to, in your heads right now, or maybe even on your phone, maybe take a second, and I want you to try to define, and that word is the word holiness, okay? We use it often, and I think we kind of understand what it means, but if we were to try to define it, I'm not sure if we would actually know what it means, right? And so, holiness, like, like actually think about it, like get a definition that's gonna help us later in the sermon. What does holiness mean? How would you describe that to somebody when you're trying to uh, highlight, I mean, here's how God is holy. What are you really saying about God at that moment? And so today we're gonna be looking at Jesus's holiness and his power. And that's the title of the sermon today, his holiness and his power. Both of them are really vital to who he is in the flesh and how we respond to him in light of his holiness and power. And so let's marvel at the wondrous one together, amen? Yeah. Luke chapter four is where we're gonna be. We're gonna pick it up in verse 38 where we left off last week. And I'm gonna have my brother Venkat read that for us. Greetings, everyone. My name is Venkat Varada. Linda and I live in Cedar Creek, Austin, nine miles east of the airport. And we belong to the Eastside CG. I also serve on the welcoming team and Linda serves in the children's ministry. And today I'm going to read from uh, Luke four, uh, verses 38 through 44 from the ESV version, and it reads, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once, began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of the many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the, to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the word of the Lord. 
You know, last week I did a little mm-mm dance, and that turned into a gif somehow. <laughs> and so I got to be careful with y'all, shoot, all right? But this word is dang good, too, okay? So uh, what we're beginning to see here is Jesus' power, okay? That's the first thing we're looking at. Now, remember, Luke, by trade, is a doctor. And so this story, it really means something to him because he's likely realizing the seriousness of this issue here. That's why he calls it a high fever you see there in the text. Luke is saying, yo, as a medical professional, I want you to know this is serious, right? Uh, We even know this because we actually see them appealing to Jesus on her behalf. And so then Jesus, he rebukes the fever and it left her. Now, I want to encourage you real quick, okay, a tiny little side note, but important even for our text here, that when you're reading the Bible, there are a couple of mistakes that we often do when we read the scriptures. One of the mistakes that we often make is that uh, we sometimes read the Bible instead of allowing the Bible to read us, okay? Let's not do that as a people of God. Another mistake that we often make is that we read the Bible too fast. We blaze through it like it's a novel, but it's actually meant for us to be able to understand God. And so don't read this even too fast. What did this just say? That Jesus rebuked the fever, okay? Now think about that for a minute. Like fevers don't have ears or minds. They are not humans that they can listen. And yet Jesus has the ability to speak to this inanimate thing with no ability to obey and it obeys him. Like I can't even get my daughters to obey me all the time, right? Like this man is speaking to flus and they're like, yes, sir. Okay, like that's what's happening here. Like like, seriously, think about that power, y'all. The majesty that is being displayed there. And he can't bring peace into your soul if you ask for it. He can't bring favor into a situation at your job where you may need it or healing to your body. Like he is powerful, y'all. And so he may not for a certain reason because he knows what's good for you and he loves you. And so he may withhold out of his graciousness, but he is definitely able. If fevers and flus obey him, then all other things will as well. And if a flu listens, then you should go, yo, there's something different about this man. There's something more powerful, more majestic, more divine. And that's what Luke is trying to highlight. And so he rebukes the fever, it leaves. And then immediately Simon's mother-in-law hops up and starts serving him. She's like, whew, thank you, baby. You take sugar in your grits? (laughs) Right? And so listen, question for us, okay? Uh, When we are healed by God, do we immediately respond with serving God and his people? Or do we sit on our salvation, consume it for ourselves, but do not respond graciously toward our Savior or others? Like we are tempted to just consume and not to give. And he brings eternal healing and power into our souls. And he brings even more than a temporal deliverance. He restores the full nature of our souls. And even with a temporal deliverance, this woman hops up and serves God and serves God's people. Do we respond the same way? Do we remember the gift that he has actually given us in the salvation of our souls when he does bring smaller things than even our salvation, like peace to our hearts? Do we just consume it or do we also give that back to others as well? At times we can respond, or at least I respond, with this sense of entitlement, like I deserve certain good gifts from God. Like God could choose to allow me to suffer forever. In fact, I deserve eternal separation from God, but he heals 
heals me and brings good into my life. So do I respond by serving God and serving his people? Really, Simon's mother-in-law is an example for all of us is what our response should be at the graciousness of Christ. He's been good and gracious to us and his power, he gives me strength and it gives me strength to serve God and to serve others. And so I hope that we really follow that example. Now, what happens in the text then is everybody's like, shoot, I want a blessing, (laughs) right? Like, you got a word for me, pastor? That's what's going on here because everyone came to try to get healed, okay? And look at this. It says everyone came and actually it's one of the few times where you see Jesus healing everyone. Why does Luke have this story in here? Well, it's because this is who Jesus is. He still has not changed, family of God. Anyone who comes to Jesus will be healed, period. If not immediately in the physical, eternally in the spiritual, God will heal anyone who comes to him. And so if you come to Jesus, he will restore. Your body will be made new. Maybe not today, but it will physically resurrect one day. There will be physical healing even. Your soul will be full. Your spirit will revive. If you come to Jesus, there will be deliverance. Jesus heals those who come to him, family of God. And Jesus wants you to come to him. And so come to Jesus, as we just sang about in the worship song a minute ago, come to Jesus, family of God. If your heart is heavy, if sin is plaguing you, if your soul feels desolate or weighty, come to Christ our King. He wants to deliver. He will redeem. He wants to heal you, family. He is a God who wants to serve you. Just as the mother-in-law was serving Jesus, Jesus actually wants to serve you as he was doing even here. Come to Jesus, this blessed Savior. He will spend all day and all night healing you, as it says in this text. And check it, bring others to Jesus too, right? Like others were the ones that were bringing. You see that word there, they brought people to Jesus. Tell others where they can find healing. If somebody gives a problem in their life, man, point to the solution and tell them, where they can find healing. They can find it in the sun. Amen? Like they can find deliverance in Christ. Now, the section then closes, okay? Luke kind of paints this broad picture and it closes with Jesus and the church, once again, by the way, to our point last week, okay? But Luke, what he's wanting you to do is he's wanting you to see the dual ministry of Jesus. He's healing the body and so blessing people horizontally, the horizontal works of the gospel, the love your neighbor portion of it, but the purpose or the reason at which he came is to proclaim or to preach. You see there in that text, right? It's the vertical work in the gospel that if you believe in Jesus, then you are saved, made right with God. This is why he came. And so the vertical actually impacts and influences the horizontal, as we've been talking about for many weeks. And so as we are marveling at Jesus's power, Luke does not want us to miss the mission as to why Jesus came which was to proclaim the good news of God that you might be made right with God. Luke wants you to believe, Jesus wants you to believe. In fact, as they say, hey, please stay here and keep blessing horizontally. He said, no, 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 I gotta go tell others about this vertical connection first. 
Jesus's mission is your belief, your connection with him. And so Luke is actually gonna try to drive that point home in our next story. And he's really gonna slow down the narrative some, and he's gonna highlight one individual story to help us see that Jesus wants us to believe in him and to have this connection and this relationship with him as he also blesses us in the horizontal aspect of our lives. And so watch him zoom in here to Simon, who is Peter, most of us know him by, Peter, the apostle, the disciple, as we zoom into his life. And so we're going to have Grace read that, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Hi, my name is Grace Solace, and I am a covenant member here at The Well, and I also serve as a shepherd for the Brentwood CG. Today we'll be reading from Luke 5, 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, friend. So the crowd is pressing in to hear the word, it says. You see that there? Why? Because the word of God fitly spoken is a miracle and a blessing to the soul in and of itself. Yes, Jesus does miracles. Yes, he blesses. But the word of God delivered is powerful and beautiful to the soul. This is why it's important for you to wash yourself in this word frequently, family, to let it marinate over you, to let it wash over you. It will leave you thirsting for Jesus more. And the longer you look at him, the more beautiful he becomes. And so let the word of God wash over you. You see there at the end in verse two, they're washing their nets, it says, which means they were done for the day. Okay, which fishing wasn't just a laissez-faire event, right? Like it was grueling work. Okay, and so uh, I went fishing once in my life because you know Detroit. Okay, Uh, and I caught this fish, right? And boy, okay, like. I felt like the man, y'all, all All right? Like like your boy was like, hey, look at me, okay? Because as I cast out the net and everything and the fish grabbed onto the hook, that bad boy started pulling, all right? And it was a workout, yo. And so I'm sitting there trying to like reel it in, right? And it's kind of pulling me back. And I'm I'm really, it almost yanked me into the lake at one point, okay? Uh, And I pulled out the fish And that bad boy was this big, y'all, all all right? Like, it was so small. Peter is pulling in loads of these fishes. This is hard work, okay? This is not easy work. Y'all saw Finding Nemo. The fish broke the boat, all right? And so here they are, right? At the end of the day, they wash in a stank fish-smelling nets, okay? And Jesus is like, oh, hey, a boat, all right? And then he jumps in this mug. And then, look, don't miss this. He says, hey, yo, Peter, row me out a little bit. Right? And our family, okay, Peter, look at verse two, he's having to row, verse three. And then in verse five, he's the one that's having to throw down the nets. 
Like, dude's probably tired, yo. He's been doing this all night is what the text actually says. And Jesus just sitting there teaching, yeah. right? Like, like Peter was probably looking at him like, hey, you going to grab an oar, bro? Like, <laughs> you going to help me row at least a little bit, all right? Uh, like, listen, okay, it's important for us. Sometimes the Lord will ask us to do something that feels hard, and it feels like he's watching us, not helping at all. Sometimes he'll actually ask us to do something after we've done it already, like share the gospel again, pray for this person again, fight for community again, serve again, give again, do something again, and it will feel like he's just chilling in heaven, just watching us do it. When in reality, he's not the one that's watching. He's actually doing the work, catching the load for us. Listen, we need to listen to God if he speaks to us. He's trying to work for us a blessing if we will but just throw down the nets, family of God. And I ain't speaking prosperity either. I'm speaking facts here, okay? Row if he asks you to row, family of God. If he asks you to do something, do it again. He may be trying to reveal himself to you. And can I keep it a band here too? Some of us be mad at God at these moments, right? Like this happens and we're like, well, why didn't you do that at the beginning of the day, right? Before I did all of this work, like I've been here laboring all night and now you want to come through and deliver, okay? And listen, maybe because you would have got a blessing, but you would have missed the Messiah in the process. Right? Like maybe you would have gotten physical deliverance from God, but your soul would not have been ready to receive him. Listen, Jesus knows when our souls will respond and because he cares more about our hearts connected to him, he may have you do something again that you may then finally receive him and come into the greater blessing, which is intimacy with him. Jesus knows when to deliver, trust his timing. Look, some of y'all sleeping on that one, all right? And so pocket that for when you need it, all right? But this is an important thing for us. Don't get frustrated with God's timing. It is good for you, family of God. And so Peter sees this, and he's like, Lord. You see it there in that text? In fact, in verse 5, Peter calls Jesus master, but then in verse 8, he switches, and he calls him Lord. He realizes that there's something more about God here. He's not just a teacher to be followed. He's a God to be obeyed and feared. And he's realizing this. He's realizing that he's a holy man. And Peter's like, yo, I'm not. I'm not a holy man. And Peter feels exposed here. He realizes his shortcomings, his failures, probably even his sins here. And he knows that he does not deserve to be in God's presence at this moment. Like, I know it's hard for us to sit and imagine, but try your best to think with me for a moment. Like, imagine if your sin was just exposed, right? Like the things that you struggle with, that they just came out into the open. Like, think about the things that you've done that you don't want anybody to know about. Like, think about what you did last night that you don't want people to know about, or the sin that you've been hiding for the past two years that is weighing on you, but you've never shared that with others, or the thoughts that you have that are dark that you would not dare tell other people and you try to say, ah, that's just my flesh, but you try to hide it in the dark because you feel the the wickedness of it, the, the guilt that tries to eat away at you. Like, think about that for a moment. The things that you try to hide, this is what's happening to Simon at this moment. He realizes that he is being exposed. He feels naked before God and he knows he cannot be around this level of holiness. What is being expressed here is the holiness 
holiness of Jesus. You and I cannot be around the holiness of God. And yet Jesus looks at Peter and says, son, it is okay. And you and I cannot be in the presence of the Holy One. And yet he looks at us and says, son and daughter, it is okay. You do not have to be afraid, he tells Peter. You do not have to be afraid, family of God. I see you, is what Jesus says. I want you on my team. In fact, I want to use you, Peter. I want to use you. Yes, I do know all of your sin, and yet I am calling you to myself anyway. There is no other God like this. My good, His graciousness, the graciousness that's being uh, displayed here. Like, like don't let your Ears just hear this family. Let your souls hear this. The, uh, there's, there's these words. I feel like English language does not express the weighty glory that is actually happening in this passage. That all sin would be exposed to the perfect one, and yet this God would beckon him on the team anyway. That is true of you and of I. Do you believe that? Not just believe it. Do you believe it in your souls that even though this holy one should be distant? from you. He has invited you close to him and wants to use you on his behalf. The Holy One sees you. You are exposed and yet he still wants to use you anyway. We see a holiness that exposes, but a grace that redeems. Gosh, do you believe that family of God? Is your soul catching this? Like, like, look, and think about what's going on here. Simon just saw his mother-in-law healed, right? Like, like he knows that there's something about him. It's probably why he's being obedient at least a little bit in the first place and why he wasn't like, I ain't rowing, dog, right? Like he saw his mother-in-law be healed, which just goes to show you that just because you see a miracle doesn't mean you'll actually believe in Jesus. Okay, and so some of us be asking for Jesus to reveal himself. He probably has, you just chose not to believe. Okay, and so I was healed, shoot, physically when I was 13, like physically healed, and it wasn't until another four years after this that I actually chose to believe. And so just because you see something doesn't mean you'll actually surrender your life, but look at this grace here, right? He makes it personal for Simon. The physical healing of his mother's body didn't get him, and so he goes into his profession, does something that Simon isn't able to do, and this is what catches Simon's heart. This is what catches his mind. He missed it the first time. He let Christ pass by him, but graciously, Christ came back again and he caught it, family. And so Jesus revealed himself in a way that Simon could get it. He met him where he was at and wanted to walk him through this. And he wants to do that to you too, family. He wants to meet you where you are at in a way that you can get it. And he wants to walk with you. And he is gracious to reveal himself to you over and over again if you but just look for him. Jesus wants to deliver. And so what we're starting to get is a glimpse of this holiness, right? It strips, it lays bare, it exposes, but then you realize there's something different because though there's a set apartness, there's also this intimacy that comes. He sees your sin and yet he saves you anyway, then commissions you to work with him in 
the redemption of the world and the rescuing of eternity, he brings us onto Team Jesus. This is a wonder of wonders. This is a, a majesty that is really hard to communicate because the power of this is, is we should not be close to God, y'all. And yet he brings us in and sends us out on his behalf. This is a level of holiness. And Peter follows this, right? Because when you get this level of holiness mixed with this beautiful grace, you can't help but to follow. And Peter finally sees it. Christ knows you. He knows your sin and wants you anyway. Follow him. Leave everything to pursue him, family of God. It isn't easy, but it's worth it. Okay, so we see this power in healing. We see the power in the miracle here, meeting Peter where he's at. We see a holiness that exposes this set-apartness. That's a part of holiness. But Luke wants to drill into this idea of holiness just one more time, and he's gonna drill even deeper into one additional story. And so I wanna finish our section today really drilling in, thinking about the holiness of God and how really it's countercultural and upside down from the the way that we would normally explain holiness. And so we're going to read chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. I'm going to have Judy, your wife, dog, your wife. I'm going to have Judy read this for us. (laughs) Hola, familia. My name is Judy Beltras. I am a covenant member here at The Well. I'm also the wife of our worship pastor, Anthony Beltras, and we will soon be launching and leading a community group here in Northeast Austin, Pflugerville area. Today I will be reading from Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16 in Spanish. En otra ocasión, cuando Jesús estaba en un pueblo, se presentó un hombre cubierto de lepra. Al ver a Jesús, cayó rostro en tierra y le suplicó, Señor, si quieres, puedes limpiarme. Jesús extendió la mano y tocó al hombre. Si quiero, le dijo, queda limpio. Y al instante se le quitó la lepra. No se los diga a nadie, le ordenó Jesús. Solo ve, preséntate al sacerdote y lleva por tu purificación lo que ordenó Moisés, para que le sirva de testimonio. Sin embargo, la fama de Jesús se extendía cada vez más, de modo que acudían a él multitudes para oírlo y para que lo sanara de sus enfermedades. Él, por su parte, solía retirarse a lugares solitarios para orar. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, friend. So leprosy, once again, this is Luke the doctor, okay? In fact, just like Jesus just used an extremely personal interaction with Peter to draw him on mission with him, don't miss that he's doing this for Luke too, right? Like he's revealing in a way that draws Luke to himself. And so don't miss that. I want you to get that point, family of God. Like last week, as we talked about, we need to behold Christ. Christ is trying to reveal himself to you in a way that you can get it if you would but look and listen for him. And so here he is again, revealing another miracle to the Dr. Luke. And notice what Dr. Luke says about this man. Firstly, it says that he was full of leprosy, you see there. Not just a little, all over. Honestly, probably terrifying to actually even look at. Now in that culture, uh, lepers were outcasts from the rest of society because leprosy could have been contagious. It was something that you can catch. And so think even in our context right now, right? Like if you're walking 
walking down the street and somebody walks past you and they're like, <coughs> right? You start rebuking demons and I'm like, right? Be all sorts of offended, okay? Our most mild-mannered person would get charismatic real quick and start speaking against tongues against bro, right? And so listen, this is with modern medicine. This is not 2,000 years ago. This is with all the technology that we have. And so they would remove lepers because they could pass this disease onto another person, meaning lepers were untouched and besides having fellowship with other lepers, they were no interaction with society at large. They were untouchables. They were completely removed physically and socially from everyone around them. As a guy whose love language is physical touch and words of affirmation, like that hurts my heart to hear, like just straight up, thinking about the reality of that. Like think about not just this man's physical pain, but his spiritual and emotional pain as well. Like listen, we're having a hard time not gathering for a few months. Shoot, most of y'all are gathering in this mug, right? And this is just a few months for us. This man would have been cast out for his whole life, only knowing a lack of fellowship and inability to interact with others. So he's probably somehow, through the stories of others, heard about Jesus, and he falls down and he begs him, it says. And family, Jesus's words would have been sufficient for this man. He could have said, you're healed, and that would have happened, right? Like, this is the God who spoke, and all creation exploded into existence. This is the same God who would speak to the dead man, Lazarus, and death would obey him, and Lazarus would come out of the tomb. This is the man who the flu, the fever just listened to, Jesus could have just spoken because when Jesus speaks, things happen, which is why you need the word of God to speak into your heart because his word does something, okay? But he doesn't just speak. He speaks such intimate words here. And with two short phrases, listen to the intimacy that he says here. He says, I will be clean. I want to, is what Jesus is saying here. Not just I'm obligated to, but I love you, leper. I will do this. Be clean. If you are a Christian, it is because at some point you realize the leprosy that is within your heart and you came to our precious Savior and our precious Savior said to you, I will be clean. You have become a believer because of the willingness of Christ to redeem us. But notice Jesus didn't just speak here, but he touches this man too, showing care, even though by law, this would have actually made Jesus unclean. In fact, he could get leprosy if he touched him, but Jesus cared about that man. Jesus was willing to show compassion even at a cost. He's still willing to show compassion even at a cost. And look at this holiness, family of God, okay? Holiness exposes, like in Luke's situation, but here's another form of it. In fact, a form that we're not used to because often when we think of holiness, the definition that you had in your head, we think of something or someone that is usually completely removed from other people or other things, right? Like we're like, oh, she's holy, so she doesn't do certain things. And it's kind of like this off in a distance, this set apartness idea. And we think of God like this too, like, oh, he's holy. So he's out there not to be touched, not to be interacted with, completely different from us and family of God. Look at Jesus though, marvel at this moment here. This is a completely different type of holiness. This isn't a holiness that is removed from everything, not to touch unless it becomes stained. This is a holiness that enters into 
into brokenness, enters into messiness, enters into sin, and this type of holiness actually makes it clean. You cannot go to heaven unless you are holy, but if we believe in Jesus, then we become holy because when Jesus touches us, our dirt does not make him dirty. His holiness makes us clean. This is a whole other type of holiness family, not often a distance, but intimate and close, willing to step in, not stained by sin, but able to overcome sin. This different type of holiness is what we're seeing here. I think about it often when I get new shoes, which sounds like a silly analogy, right? But when I get new shoes, they feel holy, right? They feel set apart from my other shoes. And I'd be walking in the mugs like, <laughs> trying not to get them dirty, okay? Why? Because though they're holy, if I step on dirt, that my shoes do not make that dirt clean. That dirt makes my shoes dirty, <laughs> right? Okay? This is something different here, y'all. Like, dirt does not make him dirty so as to stain him. He makes us clean. That's how holy he is. Amen? I'm going to get some hallelujahs in this mug, right? Like, listen to me, family. Angels who have never sinned against God, he is too holy for them to even look at his face is what the scripture says and yet somehow he touches us and makes us the bride of Christ this holiness that interacts with us that transcends darkness and our wickedness and our own hearts this is another type of holiness y'all and here's how we can know this most fully and most clearly think about what this text is even highlighting you see a few years later Jesus would actually have another encounter like this on the cross both the stories where Jesus healed, actually says that afterwards he went off into a desolate place to pray. And a few years later, he would also go off into a desolate place and pray as well. But this time it would not just be to heal individuals and their situations, but it would be to heal humanity, not just to overcome temporary sin, but even to become sin on our behalf. In the garden, Jesus fell on his face, family of God, and he begged, just like this leper fell on his face and begged of Jesus here, Jesus would become the leper in that sense. And Jesus would stretch out his hands just like he did to the leper. He would stretch out his hands onto the cross, nailed like a sinner, like an unclean one. Jesus was in need on the cross and yet they wouldn't even touch him. They took a sponge and put it on a stick and stuck it up to him like he was an unholy and unclean one. Jesus would willingly cleanse the leper, but then willingly become dirty so that you and I who are dirty might become cleansed, family of God. He would become the leper. He would heal this man, but it was a representation of what he will do for all of us later by becoming death that we might then be healed. That if we call on him, then we will be cleansed, not just of physical, but of spiritual leprosy, of all of the darkness that is on our hearts. Like think about even the text earlier, the, the demons, they were calling out that this was the son of God, but he stopped them from calling out. Why? Why did Jesus stop the demons from proclaiming who he was? Because Jesus did not want to reveal his messianic power through power and the healing of demons. He wanted to do it by laying down his life through sacrifice, true power, and by laying down his life and taking our place. That's how he wants us to see that he is the Messiah. He became sin so that you might become holy if you would but come to him. And if you come to him, family of God, then you 
you are clean. You are cleansed. So go to the priest and show your cleanliness. Walk in the newness of life that Christ has given to you. Walk in this freedom that he delivers because he became sin on your behalf. Jesus, family of God, Jesus, do you see him? Do you see his beauty, his goodness, his wonder? Holiness became sin so that you, a sinner, might become holy, family. This is the simple truth that this is another type of holiness, a holiness that interacts with us. Thank you, Jesus. And so if you feel oppressed, come to Jesus because he wants to free you. And if you feel like you do not know your calling or your purpose, then come to Jesus. He can give you a new one like he did with Simon Peter. And if you feel like an outcast or a sinner or a leper, then come to Jesus. Though the world may not want to touch you, our Savior, he wants to see you and deliver you, family of God. He wants to bring you in and then send you back out in power that you might tell others about this majestic love. He has the power to cleanse and the holiness to cleanse. He is able to deliver. He is able and he is willing. I will be clean, he says. Come to Jesus, family of God. He is good. He is good. He is good. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) Hey, I love you guys. I pray that your souls saw a glimpse of Jesus and I pray that you would fall more in love with him today. Amen. I love y'all. Let's pray. Man, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Christ, that when I fell down and begged, you delivered. And you didn't say, you gotta do all these things first. Clean this up and go do this and and I'll do it, but only if you serve me and only if you stay faithful. And you just said, I will be cleansed. God, I pray for those who have never made you Lord and Savior of their life. They're trying to fix themselves and find satisfaction in these other gods, as Osagi talked about at the beginning, these these false idols. I pray that today they would see you are the one that can cleanse. Every other God needs something from us, but you don't need anything to us, yet you have given us everything in yourself. I thank you for that, Jesus. Would we come to you? And God, for those of us who have made this profession, who do call you Savior, who do see you as Lord, I pray that we would see that you, though untouchable, though set off in holiness, you would actually come down and touch us, the actual untouchable ones, that you would deliver and make us free and make us clean. Would we worship you, Jesus? Would you stir up our heart's affections for you? God, I feel my own heart not even wanting this word to drive into my soul. Would you remove through the hardness of my soul and would you allow me to see that you are the God that delivers, you are the God that cleanses, you are the God that is close. The holy and powerful one is gracious and loving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that we would worship you even right now and that we would sing out these songs and praises to you in response to the God who has made us holy. I thank you, Holy One, for becoming sin that us sinners might become holy. And God, I long for the day when I am made perfect, not to deal with this leprosy in my heart anymore, but until that day would I keep coming to you 
Would we keep coming to you? Would you keep cleansing? Would we keep telling other people, our brothers and sisters and those who do not know you, where to find power and holiness that heals? It is found in you, our King Jesus. So let us worship you to the end. Gosh, I love you, Jesus. We praise in your beautiful name. Amen.